Hey everybody, it's Justin, and I have a very special guest with me today. I am very excited. One of my favorite human beings on the planet. She doesn't even know. You don't even know that, do you? Did you know you're one of my favorite human beings? I didn't know that. Yes. Crystal Martin is here. How are you doing, Crystal? I'm good. Now, those of you who listened last year will remember that Crystal was on initially because she worked with Tiana at a place called Monch Code, and she was in charge of Coder Girl program, but now she has moved on and is at another place doing other things. <laughs> fancy and um i hit her up because tiana and uh, sarah were both unable to record tonight and i was like who do i get and so i called up crystal and i was like crystal i need you to like watch some episodes and then uh can you record she's like yeah and so here we are yeah. and what what an episode to pick oh my god i was watching it and i was like one i was like oh i can't believe that this is the one that the regular crew is not here for <laughs> of all the episodes when there are so many things that happened in this episode, so many things that we found out, so many things that just happened out of nowhere, and that were just crazy. This episode was nuts. <laughs> it was crazy. Like, I, because I take notes while I'm watching it with Chris, with Crystal was laughing about. I take notes, and like, the notes are like stream of consciousness sometimes. <laughs> and so there's points in this where I'm like, holy shit, what is happening? That's really what I was thinking the whole time, because they upped it. They always do, and I don't know why I'm surprised anymore, but. This one, this was probably one of my favorite, it's probably my favorite whole episode of the show ever. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was explosive. <laughs> I see what you did there. You see, coming out of the gate with, with, with the explosive humor. That's good. That's good. So, uh, what did you think overall of this episode? Oh, I just have so many feelings. <laughs> Now, I know we before the show when we were talking, I know that you and I both, and I know many people who have watched the show, um, will have an issue with the Nick and Eden situation, Aww. I guess we'll call it. I don't know. Um, so we'll debate that, I guess. I don't know that it's a debate. I just, I, it's an interesting that they went there. I didn't expect them to, per no. se. No, I did not expect that either. Yeah. I wish I could take a picture of Crystal's just, face right now. It's like, I just, I can't. I, I can't. And I, I would imagine that that has to be, like, the overarching sentiment among people who are, like, at some point in that scene, it's going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're, they're going to cut away, away, right? right? It's, it's like, uh, it, it, and then, it, and then they don't. No, there was just so much violation in this episode, I couldn't handle it. Well, it, it was called First Blood. Yuck. So, let's get right into it. Let's see where we left off in episode five, Seeds. Uh, so we left off Commander Waterford trying to get Commander Price to name him the special envoy so he can get up to Canada, which we'll see if that happens. I don't know. There's very there's a lot of scenes in the trailer that kind of allude to him probably making it up to Canada, but we'll see. I don't know for sure. Uh, Nick was married in a surprise mass wedding to Eden, a very young girl who we know now is 15 years old, um, which is... Uh, June had gone into like basically Robo Stepford handmaid mode where she was just trying to like separate herself from herself. And then she started bleeding last episode, losing a lot of blood and hit it basically from everyone. And then uh, Emily and Janine, which we don't even really touch back on for this episode. They were having their uh, little feud in the colonies because Janine's trying to make it a little more uh, optimistic and bring some joy back to the colonies. I guess back. I don't know if it was ever there in the first place. Joy back to the colonies. Right. Uh, and so it ends with... Eden and Sarita and Nick and Fred kind of prepping for the consummation of the wedding night with Fred, or not Fred, with Nick and Eden. But we never quite make it there because somehow June ends up on the ground, which there was a lot of debate about that. Like, I have, 
I was almost 100% sure that she jumped out the window. You think so? That's what I felt. Because I think she fell out. Did that what you think? I did. See, I remember watching it. And again, we watched them kind of in chunks because we got the screeners so early. And I don't remember ever feeling like, oh, she just fell out the window. I remember thinking, this is so horrible, I would jump out the window. But after watching it again, I was kind of like, okay, I can see where the people might think that. Is that what you felt? You felt like... I did think that she... Because when he found her, was she face down or was she up? I can't remember. She was face down. So she was kind of like laying on her stomach almost. Right, yeah. I don't know. She just seemed like she was losing blood and was like tired and dazed and like... Fell out the window. window. I did see somebody on Facebook, I forget who it was, uh, said that it thought Serena pushed her out the window. (laughs) I was like, that is like the ultimate conspiracy theory. Like in a flashback scene and it'll be like, bah! It's like, Wow. I didn't think that would go there. But so we end the final scene with her in the hospital when she kind of pulls covers up over her head and talks to the baby and talks to us at the same time, um, even though I don't believe what she's telling me anymore, um, <laughs> that she said that she's not going to let the baby grow up there and that, you know, we're going to get out, I promise. And she does the I promise to the camera, like talking to the audience going, I'm yeah. sorry we put you through all this stuff for five episodes. We promise it's going to get better. We're going to do something to make you feel better about life. And... <laughs> I don't know now that this episode has come. I don't know if I believe them. And I don't know that I believe them in the first place. I said last episode, my closing remarks was, I don't believe you. So. <laughs> yeah, I was sort of, I saw that scene. I was sort of thinking like, I think we can pause a little bit on the, I'm staring into the camera telling you something shots. Like. I think it's too much. They're <laughs> overdoing just, it. Yeah, I think we, we can retire it for a little while. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think it felt like they had to do it. Like they were really looking at you going, we know. We know it's been hard and it's been bleak, but we're going to bring it back. We promise. Yeah, we'll see. Um, well, they didn't bring it back until like the very, 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 very end of this episode. Um, I don't know what episode seven entails, but we'll see. So let's open things up. Uh, so we start back at the hospital this week and we get to see the uh, guy who was the gynecologist doctor from the last season, which I wasn't sure if he was even around anymore. Um, people that watch other shows will know that he is from a TV show called Orphan Black. So what we find out is that June has had a um, what is called a subchorionic hematoma, which is basically a hemorrhage near the uterine wall. Um, so that is why there was so much blood, and that is also why the baby is okay. I know that's what that's what when I was watching it with my wife, she was like, "That's a lot of blood." And I was like, "I know." So, but that's kind of how they've explained it away. It's very interesting that he comes back to this asking June if she had any complications with her first pregnancy. And she makes this comment of, you mean with Hannah? Because she keeps throwing this back in Serena's face. At this point, Serena is like playing concerned Serena, which she likes to do. I couldn't figure out if she's throwing it back in her face just to be spiteful. Or if she's like trying to get her to remember that she has a daughter named Hannah. Yeah. Or if she's just constantly trying to keep it in her mind that this child is not yours. I think it might be a mixture of all those things. I think her mentioning of Hannah is like her way of saying to Serena, like, I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten my my life. I haven't forgotten my child. Like, you're trying to erase this, but like, Hannah's my baby and this is my baby. And it's interesting to see her kind of toe the line between being a little rebellious and also trying to play to Serena's like maternal instincts and try to play each side. Because Serena's, she goes through like this arc in this episode where she like, you know, she's very concerned right now, and then she starts to treat her pretty good, and then she asked her to see Hannah, and then it's all downhill from there. Especially with the backstory we get about yeah. her getting 
shot at the college. So then June and Serena, they share a moment of sorts when she's looking at the uh, ultrasound. She asks Offred if she wants to, or June. I can't figure out which one to call her. It's right. going to be interchangeable, so well, I apologize in advance. It's interesting how they're like, separating it now yeah. in, this, in this season, like speaking to the two different identities. Yeah. And I, I have a hard time because I just want to call her June because I feel like I should. Because I don't feel like I should call her off right because I feel like that's buying into the, for whatever reason. Well, sometimes they're they're both at work. You know, one, at some point, Offred's at work and the other times June is at work, so. It's true. Um, so they, Serena cries and has emotions. Um, my wife, <laughs> we were talking about it at dinner tonight and she was like, you can't feel sorry for her. You just can't. I know. She draws you in. She, she does. She you in and you're like, oh. Serena. <laughs> I know. And she, she like, yeah, it's it's hard because you do feel, you. you know, and I'm, I, two episodes ago, I think I said, anybody that feels sorry for her, I'm like, done with you. But <laughs> they, they write the character and the story for her so well that you're like, okay, I understand why I should feel sad for you, but I just, I can't she's because you oppressor. have put yourself in this situation. She's oppressed. Yeah. She's built her own prison. Uh, so June needs lots of rest and harmony in the household, says the doctor, which is an interesting way to put that, because I think he can even tell that, okay, things are a little tense between the two of you. When are, like, relationships between handmaids and their, like, or, <laughs> whatever woman it, are positive? Like, when is it, like, great? I don't know. I know Serena tries to make it great. Which is very interesting. Like, there's been some... Oh, like in front of her friends? Oh, in front of her... Like, when they were doing the walk last week and they were walking the baby out... Or walking outside and they saw Naomi putting them out there and, right. you know, and Serena was trying to talk to her, like, doing, you know, typical talk like you would do when you're out on a walk, like, trying to talk to her, like, but they're oh, not no. supposed to talk to you. No. Like, what you gotta you pick doing? a lane, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it's just hilarious. <laughs> uh, so we get back home and we get Rita and Serena... Jude and Eden, and it's like, now we're still in Serena is caring about June mode. Like, now she's going to let her live in the in the sitting room so she doesn't have to walk upstairs. And everything is all peachy keen. Everybody's going to be good. Um, the things that were hilarious in this scene were, I mean, I don't know how hilarious it is, but the suggestion of soup, which soup comes up a lot in this show. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's like, I know that like, there's certain foods and things that are scarce because of whatever, um, because of the war and everything and not being able to trade with other countries because, you know, you rape women all the time. Right. Um, and they frown upon that, apparently, <laughs> in international trade. Yeah. And so, yeah, soup comes up a lot, so it must be an easy thing to make with not a lot Terrible of ingredients. Things. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so so Serena wants to give her the, the smoothie again, but she's like, no, nah, I'm about not on the smoothie. And so the very interesting thing for me in this scene is when – they walk out, and so Serena's taking Offred or June into the sitting room, and then Eden is in there, who, and she wants to help make dinner or make the soup. And as soon as they walk out, Rita, like, looks at her, and she's just standing there, and Rita's like, you want to help? Help. <laughs> Come on. And it's interesting for me to ha see Rita because she finally has someone that's, I guess, beneath her. I don't know, because I don't know what the hierarchy there is. Right, with the Econowives right. and Marthas. And I don't even know what they're considered. Like, are they her and Nick Econo people? Because they're not... It seems to be a little different status, but I don't know, because they actually live with the family, so I didn't know if that made them higher on that rank, or if they are considered regular Econo-type people just because they have jobs and do what they do, and the wives right. got to do everything. So I thought that was interesting that Rita has someone that, you know, in the first opportunity she had to tell somebody else something to do, that she took it. 
I love Rita. She's like sassy auntie. She's amazing. Amanda Bruegel is amazing. And I do have to give a shout out to Amanda Bruegel, who probably not listened to this podcast, but um, I had one of these random social media things happening that like you never know when you put some of that out on Twitter, what's going to be the thing that like blows up. So there was this, uh, I think the Handmaid's Tale Twitter account put it out. It was just a GIF or GIF, whichever word we're using today, <laughs> of Rita in the baby shower scene from the previous episode where they're passing out the champagne. And she takes a drink before she hands it to the, one oh, of the wives. And it was totally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. And so I just wrote this. I was like, Amanda Bruegel is a gift to the earth. I was like, this is hilarious. I did not catch it on the first viewing. And she like responded to it. And it was just one of these things that like blew up. Oh and I was God. just like, that's hilarious. It was just like people responding to it. And um, Ever Carradine, who I actually interviewed today. Like if you're listening to this podcast, I interviewed her today. Who She's the one that plays Mrs. Putnam. Yeah. And she responded to the tweet about it and it was just one of those I was like oh my god this is bizarre oh it was god. like the most innocent like just, just throwing weird. it out there to see you know it's, it's just funny you never know what's gonna oh god, just catch on she's a, she is awesome <laughs> so when we were in Atlanta she was one of the people that was there talking about the costumes and things and somebody asked her about Rita because they screened the third episode ahead of time and she talked about how in the book Rita isn't really a focus it's Cora who is the other uh, Martha and so she talked about, and this is really interesting, that she plays her, plays Rita as, and she's playing two different people. Okay. Sometimes she's Rita and sometimes she's Cora. Because Rita is a little more reserved and she's like, and then Cora will come out and Cora is a little more badass and a little more out there. <laughs> and so it was very interesting for me to hear her because I'd never heard her say that before. And so it was interesting to think about her doing that with her character and like playing it actually. She's yeah. like, I'm actually literally playing two different people at the same time mm. at different times in the scenes. So it was pretty cool. So this is actually where uh, Nick comes out of the darkness, and I call it he comes out of the Nick cave because he just tends to appear. <laughs> he comes out of the Nick cave. That's what I call his apartment because it's like he's like a it's, superhero. He just drops dark. in. Dark. Yeah, he's always got on all black. Right, and he, you know, he kind of like last week when she was setting letters on fire in the sink. You never heard him come from anywhere. He was just all of a sudden he was there. Bat Nick. He is. He's like Bat Nick. He's like Bruce Wayne. That'd be great. He's he was, always got a serious face too. Very serious all the time. You never, you never He's know with Batman, like actually, he is, <laughs> he is. Um, so they come in and he's like, he said, he says, "You scared me," which I think is interesting. <laughs> like, really, that's he does so many dude lines in this. There's so many good dude lines for him, like which are the actual things that a man who just wasn't thinking would say. Like, "You scared me," like making it all about him, <laughs> like not the fact that she somehow ended up on the ground out of a window from the second story. You huh. scared me. Really, Nick? I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, see? He said, I'll come see you tonight. How? How is that going to happen? How, Nick? Really? Did I just... And she said, what about Mrs. Blaine? What time is her... What's her bedtime? And I was like, damn. Ooh, burn. Mm. So uh, she says she can't be sneaking around anymore. And Nick says he thinks about her all the time. And thinking about what him and the baby and her could do. And then... Uh, Rita tells June to milk the whole situation while she can when she comes in. Because Rita is like, look, this is terrible. Just take what you can get. Uh, I have a theory about her. I think she's going to do something crazy. Rita? Uh-huh. I think she's going to... I mean, I'll just put it this way. You're in charge of everyone's food. I had that thought a while ago. But then, I mean, 
everyone's poison and then she's just there and everybody's gonna come back and be yeah, like, I guess it so. was you. I don't know. I think she's got I, I don't know. I think she's got something she's gonna yeah. I think there's something that's gonna happen. Yeah. With her. They're uh, developing her a lot more this season, so something's important is gonna happen with her. Yeah, I, I don't think we're gonna because 'cause I've seen a couple of interviews with her and I don't think we're gonna get like a full Rita backstory, which I wish we could because there was that little bit with her and Serena last year or last season where they had the scotch together. And right. she mentioned her son dying in the battle or the war, whatever they right. called it. And yeah. we never really got any further explanation about that. And mm. we never also have never really, and she's even said this, like you don't really know where Rita stands on the whole thing because, you know, like in the first season when June was pregnant, she was like all excited about it. Right. Like, and you were like, is she really like bought in? Is she like part of this? And then there's been certain things this year where I... Especially the drinking of the champagne before she gave it to the wife. I'm like, okay, I don't think she's her give a shit factor. Right, was exactly. <laughs> and then with the 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 smack from Serena that last episode too, where she just cold cocked her in the face. I was like, oh, yeah. What was that? That was her like just taking out her anger at Alfred because she yeah. couldn't slap her. Yeah, she can't slap That's her because she's pregnant. It's like the only power that any of them have. What a coward! You know, like you slap someone who has nothing to do with the situation. I hate Serena. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Uh, so June responds to Nick telling her that he thinks about her all the time by saying, "Please don't think about us all the time." <laughs> and Nick jokes that he uh, he wants some soup, and Rita says, "Go ask your wife." And June yeah. tries not to laugh at him, which is amazing. Um, so we go to the new Rachel and Leah Center, where Fred has a brief interaction with Aunt Lydia, which is sad because this is our only Aunt Lydia scene, which she's kind of been pretty heavy presence. In the first few episodes, and so I was kind of upset, but the episode was still amazing regardless. Um, and I love her line of, imagine how many more girls we can process here. Oh, God. Which, which is just like a loaded line. There's so many things of, like, processing girls processing and how many girls. more can we get? Where are you going to get them from? That's what I want to know. Haven't you gotten all the ones you know, that are in exactly the area? What I was thinking, like, do they, do they turn girls into handmaids? Like, would that be the next move? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know. Because I think that was supposed to be, like, a replacement for, like, the Red Center, where they're, like, you know, like, stuck at a high school gymnasium. Right. I think this is supposed to be their new spot, where it's, like, the, hey, come here, and I don't know. Right, but they're not rounding up women anymore. I don't think there's anybody left to round up. Right. At least as far as we know. I don't know. And I do love that Aunt Lydia says, when they're talking about Serena and June, that you've been blessed with the most willful willful pair. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh... She said, I'm sure when the need arises, you will know how to handle things, which is kind of a little foreshadowing, which is what he has to do later when Serena stops playing nice and he brings in the picture of Hannah, at which point I wish that scene would have stopped um, and he would have left the room. But he doesn't leave the room, for those of you who will watch the episode. Um, So then Commander Price and the other commanders are not happy with the progress of the building, which I find funny because nobody likes anything that Fred does, and Fred is mostly terrible at all his jobs. (laughs) <laughs> it's true. He's not good at naming one thing that he's good at. Being creepy. He is super good at being creepy. And good having close set eyes, and you can't trust people with close set eyes. <laughs> is, is, that, is that real? That's it's a, true. That's it's a thing. They're close set and squinty, and you've got like all that beard and hair all around your face. I can't trust you. You can't do it. You're gross. You're gross. Yeah, he's gross. All right, now we go to Nick and Eden in the Nick Cave. So this is where I felt bad for her, right? Because none of this is her fault. Because she's grown up in like the whole system. Now, I don't know how long it's been around. They still haven't given us a real, like, 
how long year wise timeline this has been, but you're I think you're two things. She's fifteen, so she's probably grown up most of her like adolescent life yeah, in, in this system. And so she it's all pretty normal normal for him and are for her. Nick is trying his best to not sleep with her. Very, very best to the point where he's like just basically brushing her off and she feels terrible and you feel kind of bad for her because her whole identity is basically like tied up in being the wife of Nick. And potentially her like safety. That's also true. Because right. her like whole purpose that she's taught is to, you know, have a baby and And she doesn't have parents to go back to. Well she does. She has her mom. But where is her mom and what is she doing? We don't know. We know the mom that right. you know that they lived somewhere out on like farm. Because she had Previously, to take Previously, though, right? Not no, I think like now. This time. I think now because in the scene where they actually show, like, reveal her mm-hmm. at the mass wedding, she looks back at this woman who's sitting at the front row. Oh. I think you're supposed to think that's her mom, but she's wearing like a Kano people. So Got I think it. maybe they're from one of the Kano towns. Maybe the Kano towns are like out of okay, a little so bit maybe out of there. Like that's the that's the like yeah, that's like Kano how they feed the children and then right. they become an Kano wife. Right. Just keep feeding the system. Right. I wonder what happens to the kids that they took though. That's another, I guess, another Like for, story. like, Hannah? Like, like Hannah. Like, took like, from the handmaids? Those little girls? Are, are I, gonna, we still don't know. What's going to happen when they get to be of age? Are they going to be handmaids? Are they going to be um, wives? Are they going to be some other rung of society? Yeah, we really don't know because nobody's, we haven't had any other mention of it. Other than, the only thing I can think of is when, uh, in the last episode, when Lydia talks about, when she shows him, shows him the guy on the wall who helped her, who oh. had the family. And she said the son will be, you know, put with new parents. And she says something to the effect of he'll have a better life or had it's like right. especially the best option for him. Like they could have done something else with him. So I don't know if there's like a worst option for kids. For kids, yeah. But I don't, you know, I don't know because they didn't seem to be treating Hannah too terrible. She didn't look like she was like. No, she looks super happy. Right. Which is terrifying to yeah, me. But I don't know what that means. So I guess yeah. we'll find out maybe. You I know, it's not. also interesting we never see images of little boys. The only time we've seen any little boys is in that uh, the episode where they had the Mexican ambassador right. delegation come in and they had like the big party and they brought the, the children, children out because yeah. none of the Mexican delegation had seen children in forever. And so that was really the only time. Um, but yeah, you don't see any. Yeah. You just see grown up asshole men. Mm. <laughs> um, so. This scene with Nick. Her, her like indoctrination. I mean, like it really mirrored some of the mindsets of a, like some of my friends growing up who grew up in the church mm-hmm. of like what your duty is as a young girl and how you're taught or like groomed to be a certain way for marriage. Right. Like, you know, people talk to young girls and they're like you're going to be such a great wife when they're like helping with a little cousin or a little sister or brother, and it's like, why the fuck are you talking to a 13 year old about what kind of wife she's going to be? But that's a thing now in yeah. 2018. You know, and. uh communities of faith um yeah this episode more so than any of them and i think it's maybe the introduction of her really hammered home like the like religious and the cult type fringe religions that have the you know super young girls being married there was because she is so young i mean the the actress is 18 or 19 i think Okay. Um, but they do a fantastic job of making her look look and not like a fifteen year old. Yes, and she was fan. She's really good, like as far as like being that like kind of trying to feel her way through this situation that she has like 
barely any training for. Right. And just knowing that she's supposed to, like, make Nick feel like he is the head of the household and make him feel great, and she feels awful. Right. But, and that's just, like, I guess I just keep going back to the fact that I've seen that dynamic play out, like, in my church community. Right. You know, or in my, like, community of friends in that sort of setting that, the same mindset exists and it's really creepy to see it be so exaggerated in the mm-hmm. TV show scene that I was just like, my skin was crawling the whole time. Oh, there was, <laughs> there's plenty more skin crawling to come. Yeah. Don't you worry. All right. So Nick, Nick, again, with doing like the most dude bro things you can do, <laughs> he pats her on the shoulder. He gives her a shoulder pat and then goes and smokes a cigarette outside. I was like, Oh my God. This is too perfect. Like, they write this guy too perfect. It's, it's like, like all the things that men that have no idea what they're doing. Like, I've done all these things well, for sure. You're talking about when he pat. When she, because she's like saying, I know what's expected of me and what God expects of me. Yeah. And then she scoots over and he like pats her on the shoulder and is like, I'm going to go out for a smoke. It's more like, <laughs> okay, kid sister. All right, little girl. Goodbye. Oh, my God. All right, so now we're at June and Serena in the sitting room where June is sleeping on a couch. It does not look, it looks nice, but it doesn't look like a couch you would sleep on. No, not at all. I mean, I get you don't want her to walk up the steps, mostly because you don't want her to fall down somehow. No, it's not about her comfort, though. It's about her control. It's about Serena being able to watch her and see what she's doing. It's, it's very not true. about her concern. It's never about A bed it. would be, if I was freaking pregnant, I would much rather sleep in my own shitty room on my own bed not around this psychopath, Nini, Psych- right? Psychopath. I would much it. rather be taking my pregnant ass to my sucky room and going to bed. Flashback time. Serena and Fred. This is the this was a big thing in the trailer, so we were trying to figure out which direction this all went, and we were both kind of right. Me and Tiana had a debate about this, of whether the crowd was for her or against her. And there were, you know, a number of people that were for her, like the dude wearing her T-shirt and holding the book, like, yeah, women's yeah. place. And I was like, oh. Really? You gotta have that guy, don't we? So it's interesting to how they do a lot of this, how this mirrors kind of modern times now with people not letting people of extreme views, I guess, on college campuses specifically. Yeah. Like this, you know, all the stuff that's happened like at Berkeley with, uh, I don't even know if there was Richard, who's the Nazi guy? I forget, I'm not even gonna say his name because I don't mm-hmm. want to say his name. But him and... The Milo, Milo, whatever his name Milo is, that guy. Name, guy. They interject a lot of this, you know. This is like what's happening right now, so pay attention. Yeah. And uh, um, and then somebody throws something at her, and that's when they got to get her out of there, I guess, because they were a little afraid. And so that's where we cut this off because Fred says this is, a, ironically says she has a right to speak. This is America. Right. Seriously. Yeah. You know, but that's true. I agree. She does have a right to speak, even if we don't want to hear it. I know. It's an interesting time, because I wonder, like, I wonder how I would act now if I was in college with the kind of things that are going on right now. Because there were, like, I went to Michigan State, and there were, you know, Nazi rallies very close by to our campus. Um, And... There were disagreements around things that happened on campus with, you know, black students and white students. But I just never remember really extreme reactions from either side. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some in pockets. I've had right. tons of incidents with, like, pockets. But I think it's a little bit troubling. And I mean, I, I'm liberal as fuck. And I don't, I 
don't co-sign any of the bullshit that's happening right now, but I think it's almost even more important for us to hear the viewpoints of terrible people so that we understand their viewpoint fully and then we can find the information and kind of center ourselves to attack or to, you know, center ourselves to be able to respond in a way that isn't just, I hate you, what you're saying is hateful and terrible. It is. But how do I, like, understand it and dissect it and then be able to, like, artfully fight against it? Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I agree. I think it's interesting because a couple of reasons. One, I think there's a little bit of a difference because what year were you in college? 2005, 2010. Okay. So the the main difference there, I would say, is that the person that is in charge of the country, um, those people now, I think, feel more empowered than they did say, when you were in college, Absolutely. and they were just kind of these crazy Nazi people that are doing this crazy thing off of the campus, whereas now it's like, it's a little more immediate of a concern, because Absolutely. with the, you know, the alt-right, whatever they want to call them, the racists, as I refer to them, um, <laughs> kind of getting a voice of legitimacy from the politicians and kind of not saying that this is out and out the wrong thing yeah um i think it's a little different tone in the country and overall from the top down there wasn't all the rhetoric coming from the leadership of the country that you have now i think it's dangerous i mean obviously i feel like it's dangerous it's very threatening to me as a black person but i feel i sort of feel like now i want to know what you think Mm -hmm. like i want to know all of it so i know what i'm dealing with because i think before we just thought Oh, it's just this isolated group of people or this one person that feels this way. But the same number of people who are here now with those viewpoints have always been here. Mm-hmm. And, sh- you know, I guess it's the question, should they have a stage? I'm conflicted with that, but I want to know what their views are. Well, I think the interesting thing that they're, I think where they're kind of headed with this storyline and what it made me think about is when you have this kind of a reaction to those people where you don't let them speak about it and where you have such a visceral reaction to the point where they feel like they can't be heard because no one will listen or give them a voice that they have to then take that from you as opposed mm-hmm. to engaging with you in a normal way that even though their views are terrible and the things they have to say are awful, I would almost, like you were saying, rather have them get up there, say their crazy shit, and get done with it so we can all go, okay, that was crazy. Let's talk about why it was crazy. And maybe a few people are like, yeah, I agree with them. And you're like, okay, well, you're yeah, also you're crazy. crazy. And I know you're crazy. Right. And I now know I know. you live in that dorm. <laughs> exactly. Talk to you or mess with you. But when you push back, like they push back in this episode where it's like, and it's an extreme version right. of what I think that what they're basically going to get at here is that's probably why things went the way they went with Gilead is that they probably tried to start off as kind of doing you know like he was saying we want our policies heard in the mainstream but then when they go to the mainstream they get basically pushed off to the fringe and then they start doing fringe things right and that's when it gets crazy because nobody knows right they don't know what they're proposing they don't know what they really want they don't know what kind of decisions are already being made you know Mm -hmm. um that's that's why i just feel like it's important to 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 know uh so after the scene we get June and Fred in the kitchen, and this is probably um, one of my favorite scenes that I've... Just the acting in this whole scene made me happy, because it's just those two, and it's like, she gets up to go to get the water, and the way they lit 
they did the lighting, like you could only see like half of his face because he's mm-hmm. got like the dark beard and the dark hair, and nothing else was lit behind him. So all you have is like the light from the thing in the kitchen. From the front, and yeah. so every time you saw him, it was just like this little like three quarters of his face, and so it gave like this very like creepy, creepy <laughs> vibe where it was like hey, because he's really good at it. I will say that like. I, it took a few episodes in the first season for him to go. You were like, oh, you were kind of on his side. Like, maybe he's going to be an okay guy. Oh, and no. he's not going to be an okay guy. I never, never trusted him. Never. Man, I bought in. No. I bought in hardcore. No. 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 <laughs> no man with that much power and that much grossness would ever be That's true. an ally or any kind of savior. Very I didn't true. trust him from the beginning. So a couple things in this scene. Um, yeah, again, uh, June asked Fred if she if he's mad at her. I don't understand. I, yeah, I didn't really get that either. Because they haven't talked since they came home, and she was just wondering if she's mad at him. And I couldn't tell if she was like trying to play to him, like try to get on his good side. Right. What would that accomplish? I don't know. And like the, they left off at like not being buddy buddy, right? At the she end of this episode? At the end of last oh, season. Oh, last season, right? yes. They were not on very good terms. No. So there was no expectation for them ever. Yeah, I, that's be why friends. I was very confused as to why she kind of went there with that question. Because he says, what's there to talk about? <laughs> I don't know. Where should we start? Uh, Aunt Lydia, because Fred wants to know if she wants to eat, and she says she can't because Aunt Lydia is apparently doing weigh-ins, which I... <laughs> it's like, come on. She does the under his eye, and Fred goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, come on, man. Now, this was also a fantastic scene. Eden coming in to talk to June because she is uh, a little distraught about how things are going with Nick, which you can't blame her because that's the only frame of reference she has for anything is what she knows she's supposed to do, and she can't figure out why doesn't Nick like me. It was such a teenager scene, right? She was act- She goes, he hates me. He hates me. <laughs> he won't touch me. I'm ugly, which is, uh, you know. Typical. Well, typical girl thing to be like, oh, he won't talk to me. He hates me. I'm ugly. But it's like, no, girl. He's creeped out by this whole thing. And you're 15 and he's not 15. That's why he won't. Like, how did you not? Oh, wait, you're brainwashed. Yeah. And this was the part where I just was like, this girl's entire identity is just totally wrapped up in her husband. And not that all of them aren't all the women here, but it was just interesting to see from a child standpoint, right, of trying to try and be that because all the wives are already that essentially they're already kind of in that status right and it's interesting to see someone coming up who's trying to be that but can't quite figure out why it's not working because who could be a good wife at 15 who there's a lot of things that nobody can do (laughs) when they're 15 let alone especially be a wife and says give it some time Eden says that we can't wait it's their duty to god and then she also says what if he can't and what if Nick is a gender traitor? And June looks like she's about to stab her in the face. But I think she, I think June, you know, is seeing the light there, though, right? Like this girl, like what, how I interpreted that was that she wasn't so much, it wasn't just that she was like a little sad that he wasn't into her, but it was more of like, I think there's some underlying fear. Like, if I don't make this shit work, what are they going to do to me? That's right? true, too. Like, I didn't think about what that. What's going to become of me if. He doesn't want to sleep with me so we can have a child. What if right. I don't have a child in next year? I'm supposed to do that. Right. What will happen? Uh, yeah, I didn't really think about that being the concern of, like, her well-being and, like, her 
purpose, like, what do I do if I, yeah. if we can't? So then she threw it back, like, maybe like, I can just Maybe say, it's not him, it's me, it's he's Nick, a trainer, right. Then, you know, he can bear the brunt of that, like, burden, and I don't have to die, you know, or be right. sent to the colony yeah, or know. whatever she what thinks the, is behind that. I wonder what the rule would be if you're a Kano husband all of a sudden. Like, even if he wasn't a gender traitor, as they say. Right. If he just couldn't have a kid, what do they do? And then Serena calls June to the other room. Be, and I, I just thought that was hilarious because she's like, oh, my God, I can't deal with this woman anymore. Yeah. All right. So now this is probably my favorite scene out of the whole entire episode is this handmaids at breakfast scene because there's a whole lot going on in this thing. <laughs> because, first of all, what are we even trying to do here? So Serena is still being nice, Serena, at this point, And she's like, I brought some of your friends over. We're like, Really? Everybody's confused. Like, oh, they're like the ones that we go and hang out with? Oh, no, wait. We, we don't do that. We don't do that. So Serena invited over some other handmaids. And the, what really struck me, and I'm a music person, so I, maybe I'm just weird, but the music in the background was like a Nora Jones song that was like this super chill, like jazzy hmm. sounding thing. And I was like, this yeah. is totally out of place for... It was just weird because it did sound like they were trying, like, like well, they started talking about brunch, so it did sound like it was, like, at a cafe or, right. like, somewhere you would be having brunch. And I was just like, this music is, like, really bizarre. And they're, for- like, able to have music? That's sort of what I thought. Like, oh, I don't, wait. That's a good question. I don't know. You can listen to Somebody's got a Nora Jones Nora track Jones. <laughs> The last yeah, iPad. iPod Delia. She is. And you know what? That is absolutely correct. Nora Jones, when we you had, uh, Nora. when we had our daughter, um. That was the put kid back to sleep CD was yeah. her debut album because it's like all totally just like I mean, no laid back dream. yeah and so that would, <laughs> it would work every time That's every time we put Nora Jones on and she'd be gone uh, so Serena is like attempting to get them to talk to each other which I find amazing um, just the acting and the way they wrote this scene so she's like pouring the drink she's like doing the whole thing she's really trying right and she's like well, what do you guys talk about when you're out walking to the store. And you're like, not allowed to talk about anything. Right. Do you notice how she's like frantically throwing the quiche on the plate? Like, right. she's not even here. She's like, why are you nervous, Serena? Like, I, why are you giving us such big pieces? Like, calm down, girl. Giant, giant chunk of quiche Just here. dropping it on the plate. And so then she gets over to, because the one, the one girl finally speaks up and she's like, we've had good weather. Yeah. <laughs> What's my track? Uh, uh, what line am I supposed to use? And then she tries to get the new, or fake, fake Ovglin, as I call her, who got her tongue cut out to talk to her. And she's, like, trying to say, Ovglin, what do you, she, I forget what she's even saying to her, but Ovglin clearly cannot speak right. because she has no tongue. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is really happening. And, the, and Ovglin is, like, giving her this look, like, are you being serious yeah, right I now? Can't. And she, like, follows her, like, because she walks behind her and she turns her head and looks at her again, like... <laughs> You seriously are trying right now to talk to me. I got no tongue. I can't. I cannot talk. Um, so no one wants to talk. And so then Offred just starts in about, hey, you remember this place that was down on whatever street and it had this great brunch? And so they're like, I'll try to figure out what it was called. And then Serena jumps in there like she's one of the girls and is like, I love banana nut bread. <laughs> they had banana nut Bitch, or banana crunch pancakes. And everybody's like, it's like the needle on the record. And everybody's like, oh. And then she says, maybe we were there at the same time. It was serendipity. What? What is That's even- crazy. There was this little glimpse, though. Like, there was this little part where they just all seemed like girlfriends. Mm-hmm. It was like, 
it made me feel something. I don't know. I like maybe that's one moment where I kind of liked Serena because I thought that she. You thought it was sincere. I saw her humanity. I guess like her because she doesn't have any friends. It's very right. clear that no one likes her. Yes. And even this baby thing is not really getting her any clout with her girlfriend. And so yeah. I think, you know, maybe Serena was trying to create some community for herself <laughs> and throwing that little brunch. But I, I think it's pretty clear. Like they've been trying to really hammer that home is that she has this like palpable loneliness about her, even though, even with Offred being pregnant which isn't going very well because they can't yeah. stand each other. Um, because I think, I think that there's still, uh, there's like a little bit of this part of Serena that realizes what she's done. Oh yeah. And like in the, especially in this scenario where she's like talking and having an intelligent conversation with other women. And I think she, there's like this tiny little part in there somehow that still lives in there. I don't know how it's alive, but it still feels bad. Like about having, you know, because there's, Nothing about these women that is any different from her, aside from she was with the right guy and in the right, right situation to be in a position of power. And so I think she's really got a little bit of guilt about having put these women in this situation. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there, even though I hate Serena, there are <laughs> moments where I feel like she and June are seeing eye to eye and they're kind of getting it and they're kind of shooting the shit. And the, the kind of talk that she talks about her pregnancy with mm-hmm. Hannah and sometimes she kind of wants to hear it and then she resents it at the same time. Right. Yeah, I think she's very conflicted. I, it's kind of what I'm getting. And I didn't really think I was going to get that from her or that's where they were going to go. And I, I like it for the character because I think she's just obviously a very intelligent woman yeah. who made this choice a long time ago before all this happened to pick this side and go this direction. But I think it's... It's good because it's nuanced and it's very like she's not just a monster, right? She does yeah. have some kind of thing, even though you hate her and I hate her and everybody yeah, hates right. her, but she's not without like some depth of emotion. Right. And you think to some extent this could, I mean, them having somewhat of a relationship can make it easier on both of them. You know, I sort of think it's easier to be nice than it is to be mean. And when you're mean all the time, you feel terrible inside. I don't know. I'm, yeah. And there, you know, and with the way this episode ends up with, you know, once June asks to see Hannah again. That's kind of where Serena, like, checks out all of a sudden. And so I think there's, like, up to a certain point where, and with the flashbacks they're showing being about, you know, trying to get her to be able to speak and put all their kind of views out there, that she is, like, half feeling bad about the way things went, but also kind of still buying into the fact that this is how it has to be to maintain humanity and build the human race back up. Yeah. And, you know, I wonder when when she was giving her... Oh, okay, I was maybe skipping for it. But when she was giving her a speech, when she kind of went back and said, no, I'm going to tell you what mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying, I had this moment where I was like, I could understand why she had the view she had of what was happening. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if you take it from a literal perspective of, like, Humanity is dying. We have to do something about it. Like, I wonder if Serena's first proposal, maybe I'm not remembering what her does, well, preaching was. She before. doesn't really make a proposal, per okay. se. She's just talking right. about we need to do something. Do something. But they and, don't say. And I wonder, like, if I was during this, this you know, in this society and people were not having children and weren't able to have kids what kind of view would I have? Like, would I have been one of her saying, like, we have to save humanity by having children and not really knowing that me proposing this was going to result in 
slavery, right. basically. Exactly. You know, I wonder if they're going to dig into that more. It's like what she thought was going to like what she imagined the future to be as opposed to what actually happened. Right. I would be really interested in that. I think they'll get a little more into it. Cause in it, I mean the book that she writes, the woman's place, I think is essentially like women need to be staying at home and being the caretakers and having children, but not from a, Hey, we're going to take you terrible right. person and make you our sex slave. So you can have our babies. I think it was just more of a, re- you know, a return, I guess, for lack of a better term, to, you know, women staying at home and being the, you know, mothers and only doing that. And so, yeah, but it's interesting because they never make an actual, like, declaration of what they want yet. We haven't really seen that, you know, them saying, here's what we actually believe. But he did say policies. He did say policies, which made it sound like they were just proposing certain things. And I don't think that what this ends up as could be an actual, like, hey, Let's try this. Yeah. You know, that it seems Maybe to me it's like, like abortion or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. That I, So I, it'll be interesting to see where they started, because obviously you don't just start with, hey, this sounds like fun. Let's try this. The, you know, it's pretty awful. Um, obviously, yeah. no one is going to listen to you if you come up with <laughs> this situation. I'm curious, though, like going back to the, the, the brunch scene, what did you think she was doing when she had everybody get up and like touch her tummy? What was that? Was that a power play? I don't know, because she does use the baby a couple times in a power play move in this episode. So, yeah, I think... I don't know, because in this moment, as she sees it, and we've seen the whole episode, so we know it's different, but in the moment as they're living it, Serena seems to be on the up and up for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. There's probably a little bit of June that in the moment is like, I don't know if this is for real or not. But it seems to be, it seems sincere to me that when she like had the mall feel her stomach that she was trying to help Serena out a little bit because yeah. she was trying to make it this thing. And she was like, okay, I'll help you out and make it this thing because you just had this totally awkward moment about how us being your handmaids was kind of serendipitous, right. which is the creepiest shit I could think about. Um, and then she like touches her on the shoulder and then she leaves. So it kind of felt like she was trying to help Serena out a little bit because she had mm-hmm. kind of made this happen. And it wasn't working out like she had All right. planned like, if it. If this is what you want, then I'm going to give you what you want. Like, if I was sitting with my girlfriends pregnant, I'd probably have them t- pat exactly. my belly because and that's I think, what they're interested in because they're handmaids. <laughs> I, think that, I think that that's when the Hannah part makes more sense, when she asks her to see Hannah. I think she kind of feels she like... She thought she had a... Right, I think she kind of thought, like, okay, I kind of helped you out down here and made you, this whole thing work the way you wanted it, and I've been playing your game, and but all of a sudden... That's when it's the the switch gets flipped. Yeah. But first, we gotta get to Serena in the greenhouse, and then the flashback scene. So Serena goes to the greenhouse where she's super lonely, and this is where you like, you know, they're really hammering home the fact that Serena has no friends other than these plants and yeah, her flowers. I, I had I had to know like they're her children. They are, and it, it it is the time when you feel like oh I get it like she has no there's nobody because the wives aren't really set up other than the times that they're supposed to meet and have like their dinners and whatever. And whenever the men decide they're supposed to meet, you know, they don't have that kind of relationship, at least as we've seen, like they don't go like hang out all the time. There's nowhere. I don't know where you would go. Cause right. there isn't any place to go. But the important thing about this is that we get a flashback to the college scene. And she finally basically runs back in there and gathers all the people around and just says her thing. And there were, you know, more, People then I was expecting kind of clapping and even right. a few women in there who were, you know, for what she was saying. And that not necessarily surprising, but I was kind of surprised with the numbers that were clapping that yes. they had, which is a little frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the one dude 
with the with wearing her t-shirt and carrying the yeah get out of here dude so then all of a sudden and i was not expecting this like it's one of those moments like which is great television where the reporter comes up behind her and says twitter's going crazy this has all been great and then pow people get shot and right. i was like what? i literally wrote my notes you can say them say what my notes are holy shit holy <laughs> holy holy shit i was like <laughs> Oh, my God. They just shot Serena. And now, this is interesting, too, because of where she got shot. So, she gets shot in yeah. the stomach, in the, you know, in the uterus region, I would guess I would just say, which makes sense of if she really can't have children, I guess maybe that was caused maybe by this. We don't right. know that that's a fact. And I just kind of figured, it just seemed a little coincidental right. for that placement. It was in her abdomen, yeah. Right. Um, so, that was crazy. Like, I was not... They've never even, like, alluded to the fact that she's got a gunshot wound or anything. There's been no, like... She limps. Does she limp? Have I missed that? I think she does. What? And, you know, in the book, they talk about the lady having a limp. Or having... Serena Joy has a limp. She's older, I think, in the book. Yeah, she's older in the book. But she has a limp. Interesting. But I think if you watch her sometimes, she's kind of, like, shuffling around. That's interesting. I'll have to look out for that. But, yeah, her getting shot was one of the last things I expected. That was a legitimate, like gasp holy shit moment for me clearly as i wrote it down five times on the page <laughs> uh i was that was crazy now she didn't die obviously the reporter i guess died because she got shot first oh yeah that was awful that was that lady was just doing her job i know uh so then serena shows june the nursery and one of the worst lines that's ever been uttered by this woman is i want you to know i'm going to be the best mother i can be to my child and I was like... And see, that foreshadowed to me this bitch is playing around, right? Like, she's not really about this life. She's not trying to be helpful. This is... You know exactly what you're doing, Serena. I wouldn't have to agree. And then June, like, goes again into this whole thing about her actual life before this, which she keeps planting in Serena's head. And I can't tell if she's trying to do it to get through to her that, you know, you did this to me and this is why we're here right now. Because she talks about Luke and Hannah and her looking at the stars that they had on the ceiling and all this stuff. And I mean, it was pretty bold. It was. She was saying, she was referring to, she said, my husband. My husband. Like, and he knew a lot about stars and all that stuff, which is the first time we knew that Luke knew a thing. <laughs> it's the first time we've had a clue as to the insight of Luke. I'm curious to know if listeners hate Luke. Do I, we hate Luke? I don't hate Luke. Is it, I kind of... This episode, like, the, I was, like, in love with Luke last season for some mm -hmm. reason. And I think it was because, like, June and Luke's sort of, like, personal dynamic reminds me a lot of my boyfriend okay. and I. But this season, for some reason, I I want to beat Luke up. <laughs> I know there's some people that, like, think he's not doing enough to try and find her. I just don't know what he's supposed to do in what Canada. What did he do before? He seemed like he was kind of like a bump in a log kind of husband. Like, what, what was your, what was his occupation? Do we know? We don't know. I don't think we know what he does or He's did. He's too cool for school, cheating on his wife. I don't know he was him. cheating on his wife. There was a lot of that going around after that episode where they kind of brought his wife, his first wife, into the picture. About a lot of people like, oh, well, June deserves what she gets. And like, I was like, whoa, pump the brakes on. I don't know that any woman yeah. deserves any well, of this nonsense right. that's going on right now. And but you kind of get a dark side of June. And we like, do. Hmm. I think it's good because everybody, nobody's perfect. And yeah. That stuff happens. It's complicated. And life is complicated for sure. Um, so this is the point where she tries to try and see if she can get to see Hannah. She's finally going to play her card and say, can I just see her? Like, just to make sure she's okay. And Serena decides 
that's the time when she's going to turn off the feelings. <laughs> you just see it, like, from her face. Just go. Yeah. And the nasty, like, stank face. Like, the stank face that Serena Joy has. When she's going to say something, like, just mean. Yes. Absolutely not. And I think I wrote here, uh, why the fuck is Serena crying? Why are you crying? I don't know. And that's the one part. Turn that, off your tears. That's the one part I didn't understand about this is like, what is. Like, you're so conflicted. What's like, and I think part of it is like, she doesn't want her to remember her identity. Like, she doesn't right. want her to remember who she actually is. But I was like, save those tears. Well, and I think maybe it's just because the more she keeps hearing about her actual real life, the worse she feels about the situation. But again, I think she goes back to the fact that this was the only choice in her head that they had to save humanity, which I've also talked about. We are not worth saving this much for anybody <laughs> to have to endure any of this crap that's going on. Like someone had to have a better plan than let's do this. Cause don't no. say, just don't save us. Just don't, save just, us. don't. just let us go. Fade away. Oh my goodness. We'll go also, this is like, so I'm kind of going back to the, like the Luke thing, mm-hmm. but and I think I read something about this, like how black women are being portrayed in this season that we we were sort of asking. I think a lot of viewers last time were like, we really can you improve this? please? Can you get can you just put more of us on here? They definitely. Right? I will say optically from a visual standpoint, there are significant more. more. Right. Women but then you color. have Luke's wife, who is a sister. Do you know what I mean? I do. Natural hair, mahogany skin, sister. And you paint her like she's crazy because her husband is leaving her on some bullshit. I just, I need, I need to know more about her. <laughs> you don't get to know any more about her uh, at all. Yeah, and I, I mean. I did, I did, there was somebody that was on Facebook that was talking about the whole dynamic and I hadn't thought of it. Just of even the dynamic of Luke leaving his African-American wife for this for blonde hair. Right. Blue eyed. What? What is that? Like, are you like? Are they trying to make a statement, or is that just their bias, like I, their mindset, and what they've seen, like on TV, play out? Do you know what I'm saying? I do. No, I absolutely understand. And when that I, irritated. And me. when that was presented to me, I was like, oh, that's interesting because they did have this whole issue where last year they really just didn't even talk about it. And, then, and how he talked to her, to her so disrespectfully on the phone, like, it, it didn't seem like there was any level of, like, her being psychotic. It was really her just being, like, heartbroken and trying to figure out what happened and being like, I'm married, I made vows before God, I'm, I want to work this out. And him just being so disrespectful, like, and what she did was, like, you know, out of pocket, right? I mean, it was, it was crazy to do, but, like, I think it was an... It was an like an understandable emotional reaction to what she was dealing oh, absolutely. with. Absolutely. And I just did not appreciate that voicemail. I was like, you need to like go back and delete that. You need to call her back and say, sorry, you were upset. Like that was I just we have a few more episodes to see how how this will all pan out, but Yeah, it was it was very interesting because I did not get that perspective when I was watching it the first time and it had been a couple of weeks since I watched it. And then I was like, oh, that is interesting that that's the route they chose to go racially. That's the creative choice you made, which is very interesting. So it'll be interesting to see if they ever come back to that yeah. or make any more, you know, statements about that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because like you were saying, they, there was a big issue with it last year. And I think from a visual standpoint, there has been a significant increase in you seeing people of color on the screen. Um, but as far as the storyline goes... 
significantly. Right. I, there hasn't really been a, other than that, which <laughs> I think of all the ways you could have that go, it was probably right. not the best choice. Yeah. Um. So I think that's interesting. I think I think they kind of improved some part of it, but the other part of it yeah, they kind of they, maybe yeah. swung and missed on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the part where Nick comes in. And we find out that Eden's 15. And probably one of the best lines that's ever been uttered in the show is when basically June says, you have to sleep with this girl. Because we got to figure out a way to get out of here. And if you keep trying to mess with me, you're going to end up on the wall. And that's not good for anybody. And Nick says, but she's 15. And June says, oh, you have to fuck somebody you don't want to? That's sad. (laughs) And I was like, that was amazing. Because, again, Nick is dropping the total, like, not thinking dude line. Right where he needs to drop it. And you're just like, bro, come on. <laughs> and I was like, and even said, I even wrote down, Nick said the word fair. And I don't even believe it. Like, <laughs> I was like, if you are a man, even at Nick's level, like a Kano guy, whatever their the level is, dude. where he, he, you know, he's a little higher up because he's the driver and he's secretly the eye that nobody knows about. But it's just like, you should not say the word fair around a woman of any kind <laughs> in this society at all. And then, and then, I had this conversation tonight with my wife. I was like, and then he said, as she's walking away, I go, what's the most dumbass dude thing you can do? <laughs> and you, he just says, I love you. And I'm it, just like. Just so emo- unemotional. Nick. Anyway. He was doing so good this this season. Like, he had, I had even stopped calling him worthless Nick. <laughs> I had called, just calling him Nick because he would gotten his stuff together. You know, last episode, he read the. First Corinthians, like, love is patient, love is kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like somebody had a gun to his head, and right. it was the last thing he wanted to do on earth, and it was magical. Right. I loved every moment of it. But dropping I love you from across the room on June, who's got 15,000 more things to think about besides your dumbass telling you you love her, <laughs> it doesn't help anything. It does, doesn't help anything. And June says she's your wife, and then she's like, out. That's it. All right. Yeah. Here we go. So, it's time for Nick to... Nick Van Eden to uh, consummate things, which everyone is like really hoping this scene is five seconds long. Right. Instead of five grueling minutes long. So here's the big debate. Do we need this scene? Do we need the scene? That's the question I had, especially on top of what happens later with the commander in June. Yes. Um, I don't think we do i don't think we needed both of those in the same episode and i just think that i just think that sex with young girls has become really normalized in our society and we just don't need any more images of permission for it i mean and just i thought about like young girls who are watching the show and again those sort of weird teachings that a lot of christian girls get and like how that could be interpreted in a really fucked up way. Mm-hmm. I was just like, it's not an image that men need. It's not an image that young girls need. It's not an image that I want to see. I don't know. I mean, I I understood the if they implied it. Right. Like, showed that she showed him and all that and then cut out of it. But I'm just trying to understand. I guess, and I guess maybe that like, this show is just all about the, like, shock factor. Like, you didn't think we were going to go there, but we're going to go there. Right. Then maybe that's what they were trying to do. But I just feel like some, like, some shows... And, you know, some things on TV, I'm like, what's the artistic purpose for this? If there really, truly isn't one, if it's violence or violation, especially towards women, we just don't need another image of that. And I, maybe that's being stupid because the whole fucking show is that, right? But, but there's just something about young, the young girl. I don't know. 
it's one of those things like I, I I really almost didn't watch it and I kind of forced myself to like do one of these where I'm like moving the cursor back and forth. Because right. like, okay. I'm like I'm like, really, when's this gonna be over? It's still going. Okay, it needs to be over. Okay, it needs to be over. Um I would agree with you. I don't think that it needs to be there. Um and to what you're speaking of with violence towards women and do we even need to see it if it's even part does it contribute anything to the story to have it shown really other than the shock factor and the creepiness factor which the show does not necessarily need any more of (laughs) right they have that you know pretty much all the time so my first reaction is why that was my honest to god first reaction is like oh my god we're really showing this why are we showing this um, and the best example I can give of what you were talking about is kind of what Game of Thrones kind of got in exactly. trouble for, which was, endless, hey, let's I, was, I literally referred to Game of Thrones last night when I was talking to my boyfriend about this because he was trying to compare the two situations. And I was just like, it's just a, the general constant images of that without any real purpose around it. I feel like it's just gratuitous. basically. Yes. It's just showing it to show it. Yeah. And that's kind of what they ran into on Game of Thrones which is like. Okay, if you could uh, stop raping women now, right? It'd be great. Like we you, get that you're trying to create this, like you know, fantasy context, but like it, we just don't need all that, right? And the, there's really nothing when they did it. There was no, you didn't need any more information to know that he was a terrible character, right? You didn't need to show that. And I will say to their credit, I guess because they more or less had to, they kind of cleaned that they part did. up. And they also cleaned the part up. It was like, hey, did you know we have naked women in this show? There's lots of naked women in this show. Right. Hey, hey, we have look over here. There's and here and here and here. They kind of cleaned that up. Yeah, and they no. equalized the nudity too, which I, I yes, appreciate. They I very mean, much did so. So they cleaned it up out. It just doesn't doesn't serve no. any plot purpose. Mm-mm. I mean, because even if you're just wanting to show her after and how she feels and her reaction to it, there's a million other ways you could have done that right. other than making us sit through the show in between. So that's kind of, yeah, I kind of agree with you. And I, it'll be interesting. This is why on Twitter and social media today, I said, this is going to be the episode that like, I just really want to see people's reactions. Breaks the internet because between this and the Fred scene and the ending scene with the bombing, it's all just going to be like, people are going to be crazy. But this one in particular, where it's like, we'll see. Yeah. I would anticipate a number of people writing this show off after that hmm. that would be my reaction from certain people that are just like Interesting. okay far enough i think i'm out i think if you're this far along though i think it'd be That's i think we already lost people who are gonna do that right. that might be true <laughs> but yeah i mean i didn't like it but so we'll see where that goes i'm really be. interested to tell know. us what you think yeah us. i would really want to know i really do. um <laughs> so where are we at here okay so after the shooting all that we get to go fred joins serena in the greenhouse because he's a glutton for punishment um, <laughs> and I wrote down they fight like an old married couple because they do they can't they're like at that point in their relationship where they can't like barely even talk to each other without one line being you know making somebody mad uh, and so he she cuts her finger and he's like trying to take care of her and prays every day that the Lord makes him worthy of Serena because she's so strong mm-hmm. I just want to punch him in the face Fred that is um, so then we get the flashback to post shooting Serena where she's writing her response, basically, to this act of terrorism, as she's calling it, which is interesting because they're playing on this whole, again, 
present day thing of whether or not the media refers to white men with guns as terrorists, yeah. um, which they tend not to at certain times. Um, and I thought it was an interesting seg there where he, he put in the line of uh, justice being served, which is a very popular uh, motto of, you know, crime and punishment and, you know, the justice system and they like to use those kinds of code phrases for basically putting black people in jail more or less um so it was interesting that they chose to use that wording um also fred (laughs) oh no serena was the one and this was interesting that they had her say it with the i have faith in god i don't have faith in the police how did that strike you i would that was one of those lines where i was like why does the, like, are you Black Lives Matter right now? Like, like, <laughs> why does Serena have any reason to? I don't. I don't know where that mistrust was the police. Other than that, somebody on this show wanted to write that line out loud and have somebody say it, which I get. Yeah. If you want to make that statement, I just don't the know. Why from Serena? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that person is the person to make that. But I statement. wonder if that was her like winky wink face. I don't, I don't know. trust the police. Maybe. I need you to handle this because she kind of goes on as like, be uh, a man. Well, maybe that, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe she's trying to like, lead him into I don't want them to what he does him, later, yeah. which is shoots the guy, well, shoots the wife and does something with the guy. We don't know where the guy goes. She, You he, know, that was probably the best writing that the commander has ever had. I don't know. There was something about, we don't ever really see his crazy side. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We always think that he's kind of an even-keeled uh you know dude who's in this leadership position that is just kind of a creep right you know that it's just a creep mm-hmm. right he's we've never seen him adulterous go never seen we've him never go seen off. him just do something insane yeah and this in that was part when he goes like do you know how i felt when i saw my wife get shot and he goes now you do like that like crazy right. joker i was like whoa yeah. like that was probably one of the most shocking scenes for me this episode like where did this dude come from is that a foreshadowing? Are we going to get deeper into, like, his fuckery? Like, <laughs> I just wonder. I don't know. It'll be interesting because, I mean, ha- you got to figure there's some of that that took place because not all this crazy got started by, you know, not doing anything. And are we clear that that was the guy? I don't know. That's one of those other things this show does a lot of where it's like you just kind of assume that what they're telling you is the truth. But Fred could just have some random guy. And his wife out there in the in the woods and say, you know, do yeah. what he wants to do. Because I don't know. I feel like, okay, think about this time frame in this, like, context. And think about how radical everybody is, right, and their viewpoints. And think about the radicalness that would be required to assassinate somebody, right? Like, what assassins have been, like attractive blonde hair guys, you know, <laughs> right. who have a definitely who did. have a nice looking happy wife. Right. He definitely does not fit who the just bill. shot someone for the good of humanity. Right. Or, or yeah. I just or like because of a crazy viewpoint mm-hmm. of like we need to get rid of these like people who are speaking this, you know, this spewing this doctrine or something. Yeah. It seemed a little bit like that was somebody he wanted to off. That could have been. I wouldn't put anything I past like, him. I feel like if I was if that you know if he was the terrorist that shot her, that he would have been sitting there like with his, you know, blindfold or his mouth, mouth you know, tied gagged, up yeah. and just been like, I'm a martyr, you know, mm-hmm. shoot me. I don't, yeah. I'm not afraid. Like of if me. he was really down for I the did cause, what I needed to do. Yeah. yeah. The man was super afraid, he, which I feel like if someone can shoot someone in cold blood, like kill one person and shoot another person, 
Probably not the guy who. That's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it like that. Yeah. He, and maybe it was because the wife was there as well. Maybe he was thinking that it was going to all be on him and that he didn't expect the wife yeah. part of it to come into play. Right. So her being added to his thing that he did, who knows if she was even involved. He could have been off on his own doing, yes. you know, trying to kill Serena too. So I think that part of it, maybe. Yeah. I, mean, I could be way tried, off. But you know, that's, just that's an interesting way to think make, about it, though. Yeah. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. All right. So here we are again. Back to Creeperland. Uh, so June's in bed. It's storming outside. A lovely little, like, overnight storm. But wait, here comes Fred. Uh, who Fred comes under the guise of, okay, I thought Serena was going to be able to handle her shit, essentially, is what he's saying. I thought she was going to be able to keep the peace and maybe let you see Hannah or give you something. Mm-hmm. But clearly, <laughs> I'm going to have to make this work. And so he gives her the picture, which you're like, oh, that's cool, Fred. But by now, we don't know with Fred. No, 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 no. We I, don't trust no. Fred. So I tried to explain this to my wife. I was telling her, so like, she's just looking at this picture on the lamp. And then all of a sudden, Fred starts rubbing her belly, which is also rule number one with pregnant women. You just don't, you ask, right? His property, And you yeah. usually just don't even ask. You just kind of, yeah. And like here, he's he owns it, I guess, technically in his it's head. Cattle. So he's like, whatever. And so then... It goes from touching the stomach, where he says, I missed you. And she says, I missed you, too. Although, I don't know that she really missed him. I just don't think she has really a choice of playing, what to say. She's just playing along yes. with it. She's just trying to... And I wrote in my note, and then, holy shit, he starts feeling her up. And I was online with uh, Delia Harrington, who we've had on the show before, and who does... She writes and reviews this show for a website called Den of Geek. And I was like, what is happening in this scene right now? I was like, is he for real feeling her up <laughs> I like it. I know it's different. I like it. And I was like, God, (laughs) this show is killing me today because it's like, it's just so crazy. We're dialing it up a notch. Uh, Also just men. I never been married or pregnant, but I don't think the husbands are like, Oh, your boobs. No, I would say that's incorrect because yeah, especially when it's your wife. I guess so. They're, but not like creepily being like, oh, no, your belly, well, no, oh, your bigger milk boobs. Right. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's not, just... ne- not necessarily in the way he presents it. Oh, it's just so... Ugh. But I will say that there, we, there is something attractive about a woman Somebody that... Somebody that yes, you created right. a baby Yes, with. absolutely. I get that For part. sure. Yeah. But not like this. No. New. New. Because then I wrote down... I really thought that they were going to have sex. I really thought that what I was about to see... Was Fred having sex with pregnant June? And I think I might have lost my mind. Yes. No, I, absolutely. And I was thinking, like, I mean, I sort of had traumatic flashbacks from the hotel or, like, the, the brothel scene from mm-hmm. last season yeah. where he basically raped her. And He's they, always raping her. They have, yes. Um, but that, like, creepy, Jezebel's. non-consensual, yeah. consensual-ish sex that they had and just being totally horrified and, and I was like I don't want to go through that again and she's pregnant she's just like even more violating and I for a moment could not understand if she if she really wanted, wanted her not. It yeah. or not yeah but afterwards I think I kind of got the vibe that she was just playing along and then was trying to get him out of the room I think like, she was just emotional and then thrown off and then like whoa I don't even know how to feel right now right. please just how can I deflect quickly so I can process that I just saw my baby and get rid of this creep. And that also plays into an interesting, like, dynamic of women who are in that situation. Not in, let's say, not in Gilead, obviously. Mm-hmm. But in situations where men are... I've not been in this situation, so I'm just thinking right. of conversations I've had. 
of being coerced and kind of feeling like they had to go along with it and get to a certain point to try and figure out a way to way out. get out of it. And so I thought that was kind of an interesting dynamic thrown into that as well. Yeah. On top of everything else that was going on in that scene. Like, I really, for That's real. why it's so, str- it, like, that scene was just so stressful as a woman on so many levels. I've never been a mother, but, like, I think all of that together was just like, oh, no. Yes. And my boyfriend had more of this visceral reaction to this scene. He he couldn't handle it. Which is interesting. Like, yeah. That'll be interesting to see the reactions on the social media of people mm-hmm. who are watching this, like, who's had a more visceral reaction, like you were saying, to this which, they're both terrible. They're both terrible. But I think from a, just universally terrible. Right. The, the fifteen-year-old thing is just. No. Man. Just no. Um. Okay. So now. We're gonna cut to basically, the one important thing happens here. Uh, Nick, <laughs> goes to Commander Price, who's his guy, who's the guy that recruited him. And it's like, dude, you got to get me out of this house. And basically, he says, you got to reassign me. Just make sure you take care of the handmaid. There's a bunch of stuff I haven't told you. And Commander Price, who hates Fred, which is glorious because he is constantly, as I say, cool story, bro. And Fred, every time, every time Fred yes. says anything, he's like, cool story, bro. Great. <laughs> awesome. And then he does the opposite. And so he's going to, that'll be interesting to see where that, that storyline goes because they've been trying to clearly get Fred kind of out of the picture. Um, or at least try and figure out what he's really been up to. And in the book, mm-hmm. there's the purge that takes place, which no one has really addressed in the show yet, um, probably because it just hasn't happened. But in the book, there is what they call the purge, which right. is they round up all these commanders that are corrupt or have been doing all these things that have been going against Gilead, and they, I don't know if they killed them or whatever, I don't remember from the book, but they basically take them away. And, yeah. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if that's part of what is coming with this because Price has obviously been having Nick watch him for a while, you know, and so it'll be interesting to see what the end game was for that. Like, why has he been making him watch him that long? Yeah. Um, so then we get Serena and June eating again, which June kind of lost her appetite, as you can imagine. Uh, so <laughs> this scene is crazy making because this is like... <laughs> Uh, what are the most like I don't, I don't even know what the word is to describe it i was so angry watching it when she dropped the knitting needle no. and eden was gonna pick it up and she was like oh no that's not your job it says she makes june pick it up and i really wanted june to stab her inside of the head which can't also like you're dumb this little girl's never gonna be what you are what are you doing also she, just, it was just like typical serena shit right? I was just like and that's what and you saw june just kind of Whatever. It was like, bitch, please. Okay. Let me get your But she did play needle, She did play the baby card again, which was awesome. Because she was like, your turn, you try. And then she yeah. has her drop it. And then June's like, oh, oh I, I got a cramp. Sorry. I have a cramp. Amazing. She did it. I think I was like, you petty. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that down. I was like, oh, Absolutely. June, your petty ass. All right. So we get June looking at a picture of Hannah. And then we cut to the last scene which is all the commanders are here for the opening of the Rachel and Leah Center they're all gathered there with the handmaids literally behind a glass wall um, and then all of a sudden fake fake Avglen starts a little walk into the room and she turns around just enough so that the other handmaids can see hey I have a like suicide bomb vest and so they all take Ooh, off girls. running because I remember this was like the one scene from the trailer we were like 
what is happening here? Why are they, where are they that there are no men around? And they're running the other direction from this building. And I just could not put it together. That was the one, that was the only shot that we were like. I'm curious to know why they had them behind the glass, though. Was that just to set that scene up? Well, I think. Was there like a reason why the women behind the glass? I think that it was from a, from a show, like presenting it to you standpoint, it's a glass ceiling, glass wall. Got it. Metaphor there. Okay. Um, And then I think, because when she runs in, she goes, tell them it. It's not for five more minutes because I guess they were going to parade them in. And oh, so I think they had them right, in the back yeah. just to like, from a practical standpoint, have them come in and be have presented better. Um, so, yeah, she runs in and then blows herself up. And <laughs> I remember I, I had not watched this until basically today when we were recording this. I had skimmed through it to see if there was anything when we were putting together questions for the media event that we had to do. Um, and so I knew that this was happening and I saw, I knew that this was an ending, but I was seeing it happen again. I was just like, oh people are going to lose their minds <laughs> because it basically explodes and it's a good size explosion too. This is not like, I right. mean, it blew out the windows. The it bottom, was like a whole yeah. deal. Um, so we'll see who, what happens with that because Fred was right there in the front and oh, I don't know. I hope he's dead. Oh man. What if they killed him? See, that's the I one problem I have with this show is that nobody important's died yet. Yeah, right. That was the Kill one good. Somebody. That was the one good thing we could say about the first few seasons of Game of Thrones is you couldn't get attached to anybody because yeah. you were like, oh, you like that character? Huh, he's dead. Well, we hate him. So I guess <laughs> they wouldn't want to get rid of him, but oh, I want man. him dead. But then you think like, what kind of fucked up situation is June gonna be in? Because I feel like in some ways, Fred is protection for her. I can't decide anymore. Know? I can't decide. Because uh, like, even though he came in and played that card, like, I'm going to be the peacemaker, he then, you know, turned that into, I'm going to fill you up and try and sleep gross. with you. No, but I'm saying in, in, insofar as keeping Serena in check. Oh, uh, well, that could be. That could be. I w- yes. Him being dead, I think, spells disaster for her. We'll see. I de- man, is he really dead? It would be, a, I, I, would, I would be very proud of this show if they honestly if they just killed him, him like that. I, I want him so be good. fantastic. I mean, I mean, it would really be interesting, right? Because would it be like she would ra- rise to his level or somehow? That was the other thing that me, that me and my wife were talking about. Like, what happens to her if he dies? Does she get reassigned? Is yeah. there a new husband that like just pops in? I don't know. Right. So it'd be interesting. We'll see. All I know is that this episode was full of just things that were like mind blowing for a number of reasons. You know, the Eden Nick scene that we feel like didn't need to be there. Uh, the Fred June scene, which we felt like we don't ever want to have to see again uh, for a number of reasons. And then this scene. And then there were just other awesome scenes, like the handmade breakfast scene was just one of the best things that I've seen them do. Just yeah. that whole dynamic of the way they wrote it and the way the acting was. I loved that whole scene. So really, this was one of my favorite like whole episodes of just all the acting and the writing like and the plot coming together, aside from not needing to see that yeah. scene um so i really loved it i thought it was great and yeah. i was talking to someone talking to delia online and she was like episode seven you'll love it as well and i was like it can't be better than this because this is like from a like whole thing standpoint this is like one of the best things i've seen she's like it's it's she goes you'll love it for very specific reasons <laughs> so i'm very intrigued to see what happens at seven it, it, yeah I, I can't wait until tomorrow night yes when this i can't thing, wait to talk about the next episode like i that. When people watch this, 
I posted it today, and I don't ever post like in advance of like, oh, you're gonna, you know, mostly because we'd already seen them and it's been a while since I saw them, and so it wasn't like a thing for me. But like having watched it today and knowing it's coming out tomorrow for everybody else to see, I was like, you people have no idea what is even coming for you because this episode is just ridiculous on so many levels. There's so yeah. many things that people like, and I told Delia, I was like, I'm not a big like trigger warning, this show needs a warning in front of it kind of guy, but I felt like maybe for this episode, there <laughs> should be like, before every other scene, there should be like a hey, time uh, out, just so you know, like... this is good, right, <laughs> because, there, you know, there's a lot of buttons they're pushing in this episode, they Truly. push a lot of things, I mean, because even like the suicide bomb, that's a huge thing, that's not something to be taken lightly, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, but and just I, like this, but kind of like, you know, would American people resort to that type of violence or that type of resistance, right? Because I think suicide bombers are, yes, it's ruthless and it's terrorism, but it's also done with purpose, which sounds like really fucked up to say, Mm -hmm. but like there's an intention set behind sacrificing yourself. It's not just like loss of life. It's like, I am sending a message. And like, if Americans are put in the same situation as other people in these same conditions, what lengths would they go to? to fight for the people that they care about or the people right. of the country or, you know, causes. Pushing a lot of buttons. Yeah. The I show mean, is pushing a any, lot of buttons. I mean, I, what I love about this show is what it, it shows that anyone in any situation, whether you're male or female or black or white or poor or rich, you don't know what you'll do until you're put in that situation. We look at our social conditions as things that people are just birthed to be. People are just inherently evil. But taking into consideration like putting anyone in this kind of conditions any human being is going to turn to survival and you don't know what that's going to look like this has been the mayday podcast and i can't say anything better than that so thank you crystal martin for joining me and bailing us out and uh helping us to uh keep our podcast going for another week yes. uh we will be back to discuss episode seven fairly soon oh, gee. she's so excited crystal's I like oh my god <laughs> All right, see you guys. We'll talk to you next time.